0: Hello. Hi. How's it going? I am so, so, so excited. Welcome back to episode seven of It's Not That Weird. You're single. Yeah. Why is that?
1: You're adorable. <laughs> You're entertaining for sure. You can also be a bitch.
0: <laughs> I was actually really hoping to make Jake cry. Tell at...
2: me about your dead father.
0: <laughs> oh, this is all I could have ever dreamed of. Yeah. And I'm not judging. It's I'm It's gross. Just it's weird. They didn't traumatize you? You don't talk about they that? They
2: definitely did. But... <laughs> You can't ask me that. It's
0: not that weird. As I'm sure is pretty obvious, Um, I'm a very enthusiastic person, but the enthusiasm and excitement behind this episode, it's justified. When I first started listening to podcasts in general I was listening to a lot of like sex podcasts and like feminism podcasts and just that kind of stuff it's just like in my heart and so when I had the idea of starting a podcast and specifically a podcast that had to do with kind of talking about things that are a little bit uncomfortable so that we don't all feel so uncomfortable anymore this interview is the exact thing I had in mind and so when I found out that this person was available and actually in Windsor for an upcoming show I was like I I have to talk to her. I need to. I need to meet her. I need to talk to her. And it all played out so perfectly. If you're in Windsor and hearing this on the release date, you can actually still get tickets to see her show um, this coming Saturday. It's going to be amazing. All of the details will be in the bio of this episode. And also it's mentioned at the end of the interview. So stick around. You're going to love this chat. And I think it's very um, important that women in particular are aware of this conversation, this woman, what she does. And uh, let me tell you what that is. She is a relationship coach. Mm-hmm. She's a sex therapist. She is a professional public speaker, author, truly so, so much more. Please help me welcome Amanda Lambrose. So, yeah, we're recording. Are you good? Everything's good? Okay, awesome. So, um, obviously, you do it all. I think you are one of the coolest people in terms of having, like, the coolest job and something I've always been interested in, for sure. I actually went to university for a year for politics and then um, found, I think it was the book Come As You Are. I think Mm -hmm. somebody gave that to me. Great book. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to get into like sexology and stuff. And I remember telling my mom and my mom going, is that a field?
1: (laughs) Is that a real thing? Did you just make that up on the spot, Tori? I don't know about that. No, she didn't
0: (laughs) believe me. And I said, I think this sounds like the coolest avenue to take, but you do couples counseling, correct? Yes. Correct me if any of this is wrong. You do couples counseling, sex therapy, public speaking, TEDx. Yes. I saw you did a TEDx. I did. It's pretty badass. I loved it. Yeah, you're also an author and a corporate coach. First question, which one of these was your fa- is your favorite thing to do, if you have a favorite? Oh, do
1: I have a favorite? I probably am going to say I don't have a favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love speaking. Mm-hmm. That That is my probably, if I had to say, the number one thing. Being on a stage in front of anywhere from three to 10,000 people yeah. is just phenomenal. Um, and then that all came crashing down in like March 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that whole concept of speaking on stage in front of conferences kind of non-existent in, in a weekend. Um, yeah. And yeah. We, we typically book out like two to three years in advance for wow. conferences. And so instantly in like one weekend I had lost almost two two and a half years of jobs oh. available that were lined up. Yeah. Um, so e- I think like most people we just transition into something else and I've always done sexology. I have a master's degree in it. Um, so for me, switching over to do couples counseling and love coaching, Mm -hmm. to me, it was an easy swap. I I think I started, like most people, doing therapy around anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't a challenge. And so my supervisor at the time said, if you want a challenge, go and see couples. And I was like, okay, challenge accepted. (laughs) And it's just been, I've fallen into it, and it's just been amazing, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I see couples vastly different than a lot of people. And to me, I think we set people up for failure because we don't teach people how to have a relationship? It's mm-hmm. find your person, make it last for forty years. I'm not going to teach you how, but good luck. And I'm yeah. Like no, yeah. like it's so wrong to just throw people to the wild like that and go. And you got this, yeah. Um, and we don't really necessarily live in a space that. Um, relationship education is highly sought after people are like oh yeah but we've got to be like something's got to be wrong with us sure. to go and talk to somebody about yeah. our relationship no think of it like a driving coach
0: mm-hmm.
1: right you don't know how to drive i don't know about you but i wouldn't be handing my kids keys to my car going like hey listen you've never learned how to drive before i know you play like <laughs> super mario kart and stuff yeah but here's keys to my car like good luck yeah but that's what we do for a relationship
0: you're 100 percent right and there's also all of these rules that society or whomever seems to place on couples and they expect you to abide by them, understand them, and and thrive under these rules that a lot of them are prehistoric. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and it that makes really no sense to me. people don't pay attention to. People go, oh, we should be, do-, like the shoulda, woulda, couldas, yeah. you know, like, oh, we should be doing this. Or unfortunately, a lot of times people compare their relationship to somebody else's. Yeah. They only see the facade of somebody else's relationship yeah. without going like, Wow, they've actually put a lot of work in, and the amount of work they're putting in is why the relationship looks like that. Or, better yet, like most people, maybe they're just putting on the charade, Mm -hmm. and you don't truly know what's going on behind closed doors.
0: That's very true. That's very true. And uh, I... I'm always curious when I talk to people who say, like, oh, I want a relationship just like my parents or something like that. That kind of gives me the ick a little bit. <laughs> it's like, do
1: you really? Yeah. I mean, you saw the inner
0: workings of it, and maybe you saw it work. But I think you see a lot of people forcing relationships for reasons other than love and, uh, like, pure emotion or something like yeah. that. And that's super disappointing. I kind of not grew up with that, but I – uh had a very, uh, very deep understanding of like, what's the word for it? Convenience can Mm -hmm. rule out love sometimes, which is unfortunate.
1: No matter who you're with, you should create like your own love map around your relationship. Mm -hmm. So what you've decided with this person, what you're going to do is going to be vastly different from the next person. And so it's in this relationship, what do I want it to look like? Mm -hmm. What are the things I absolutely want to feature in this relationship? And what are some like Mm non-negotiables? Like these cannot show up in our relationship. And if they do, I'm out. Yeah. But it needs to be mutually agreed on. And that requires a conversation, which usually when we're talking about relationships, a conversation is emotion. Yeah. And people get emotionally involved in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then they get like a little put off. (laughs) And then they're like, never mind. I'm out. Never mind. I don't want to talk about this. And it becomes a drama as opposed to let's just genuinely have this conversation without the intent of harming each other yeah. or each other's um, emotions around it. Let's just put it all on the table and say what we want. Sure, yeah. And that then action sense. it
0: to make sure you get that. <laughs> that's, that's very true. A lot of people, I feel like um, a lot of people my age, I'm 24, uh, I talk to people who are in these very serious relationships, very young. And, uh, well, you know, if that's what you want, great. But I think that sometimes they care more about like the weight of it than they actually do the content of it, if that makes sense, yeah. like the severity or the drama or the this or the that. And I, I get it. I can't judge because I'm 24 again. What do I actually know? <laughs> Every time I say I know something for certain that changes within six months. So <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always open to this kind of stuff and uh, better understanding people in general. That's honestly yeah. why we're here. <laughs> and shame specifically uh, is a very, very It like sits in me in a weird way. Shame for a long time was a word I was kind of afraid of. I was uh, afraid to say, and it wasn't until I was in cognitive behavioral therapy actually, uh, Mm -hmm. because I was a very anxious person for a long time. But when I was in this, um, she kept saying, when this happens, what do you feel? And all of a sudden I just kept saying shame, 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 over and over again and going, oh my gosh, why am I so afraid of feeling shame? Why is it ruling my life? And then I started reading like Brene Brown and all this other stuff and understanding the way that shame rules us. And it's placed on us in so many different ways and we learn it and it's not something you're born with, and it's Mm -hmm. so unfortunate. And the shame around sex
1: is- Huge. A a tragedy. Yeah. It's an epidemic. (laughs) It's awful. And in reality, we all have sex. Eventually, yeah. you know, the majority of people, there's about, you know, a very small percent who are completely asexual. Yeah. Um, but in reality, the majority of people are going to be sexual beings mm-hmm. who enjoy touch and intimacy and love from others. Yeah. But in reality, we don't even know how to do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know how to do yourself properly, how yeah. are you going to do relationships? Yeah. You know, like, let's start with the basics here, people. It's like peel back those layers. Start with the basics. Learn how to do you. And once you really are clear on what you want, how you want it, how you like it, how often, all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. then introduce it to a partner. That's a great thing
0: to say. I feel like so many especially children or kids, you have this idea that sex is this thing that's so heavy and so serious and it's going to be like take over your life sometime when you really, I guess, realize it's the most natural thing in the world. That's how I, what I always say. It's the most natural human thing in the world to want to have sex, to be sexual, to feel sexuality. That's just, it, it's everything. It's everything and it's nothing. And it's the weight that's placed on it. I guess one of my questions is going to lead to one of my questions for you. When do you think the shame surrounding sex kind of is first introduced into like, a human's life.
1: See, and I don't think shame around sex should be a thing mm-hmm. in reality. I think it's it's really the messages you receive around sex. Mm-hmm. And so if sex is really seen as positive and something open that you can talk about, then shame never develops. Mm-hmm. Because you go, Oh, I can easily talk about this, no yeah. problem. But what happens is if people don't feel comfortable about that, and especially if think about parents raising small children, right? Yeah. And if you see, let's say a little girl who's kind of balancing on the edge of a couch well she's Mm self-pleasing so as adults we call it masturbation yeah as children she's self-pleasing they do it in the womb we have images of this stuff happening in the womb but if parents aren't comfortable themselves talking about it Mm -hmm. then they see maybe a five or six year old doing this on the couch and they're like oh my god yeah stop that immediately it's shocking you know like so it becomes shocking or if they have friends over it might become embarrassing Mm -hmm. so they're like no 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 you need to that is not appropriate you need to stop that without kind of just Paying attention to it, acknowledging it and just saying, if that feels good for you, how about you go to your room and continue, you know, like there's so many different ways to be able to talk about it. But I think if it's like shock and awe of like, oh, my God. Stop. then that's where that development of shame actually yeah. occurs. Yeah, then it
0: becomes a moment that you, you remember that. And I, I remember being, I feel like my listeners are not are going to learn a lot about me this episode, but, <laughs> but the first time I remember masturbating, I was probably seven. And sometimes when I say that, people are like, oh my God, that's insane. And I'm like, but it wasn't masturbation. I it, remember not watching- Not as
1: everybody thinks masturbation right? is, right? I was it's watching pleasure.
0: Grease and I was watching them make out in the back of the cars and I was smashing my Barbies together. And then later on that day, it just happened or something like that and that's not terrible that's not gross that's not awful there's no, no reason totally to call CAS yeah it's yeah. totally normal and I it, it breaks my heart but that's why what you do is so important that's why I have so much I, respect to me <laughs>
1: like I just would love it if the conversation was open yeah so it's just don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid of what the response might be don't mm-hmm. and that's the thing when people are held back because they don't know like is it safe For me to ask a question that's when it becomes problematic Mm -hmm. and so we hold it in and we don't ask questions and then you you're made to almost feel like an idiot like oh but you should know that yeah um i'm sorry how should you know that like just (laughs) magically right like (laughs) usually if i don't know something i need to ask someone with a little more knowledge Mm -hmm. who might be able to help guide me yeah but then somehow around sex it's like no sorry we're not allowed to ask somebody else with more knowledge to help guide me but um, why not? Yeah. Is it that way in anything else? Well,
0: hold on. Anywhere yeah.
1: else, like we would ask people. Yeah. We'd go, I genuinely don't know how to do this. Yeah. Like think about you in podcasting. Mm-hmm. You didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a podcaster. I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to start today. Yeah. Well, No, you had to ask someone, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What's the setup? Should I have, you know, soundproofing in the room? Mm-hmm. What should this be like? Mm-hmm. You had to learn from somebody. Yeah. So you have to ask. Yeah. Why wouldn't we do
0: that around sex? Yeah. People my age, at least. I don't want to say we're better than any other generation, because that's not true at all. But um, I think we're open-minded in some cases. Like, you see the TikToks of people talking about trauma or or being open about certain things or open about their gender or something like that. Or um, Netflix, ha- they just put out, like, a mini-docu-series about pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. yeah I know, right? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. There's the things explained all about uh, sex and stuff like that. And... To me, I find that so amazing, but I'm wondering, do you think, obviously those are ways of us progressing, but do you think generally this day and age we are moving forward or are we regressing in some sp- ways, especially with social media and the internet? It can be very dark. <laughs>
1: um, I think from a social media perspective, it has more like widespread knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like you have the ability to get the message out to so many more people in such a quicker amount of time, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But is it the right message? Is it the right person saying the right message? Yeah. You know, I and I, that's where I kind of say, like, do your due diligence. Like, make sure the, that the person saying the point of education is actually qualified to say something like not just if it's an opinion piece be really clear hey this is just my opinion blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah but if it's an educational piece like make sure there's some clout behind it sure to be like actually i i know (laughs) this stuff you know um i spent a few hours at a sex store this morning um getting ready and prepping for some of the stuff for the show and to me it's like you know i i look around at all the toys that are available Mm -hmm. and i was having a conversation with one of the ladies who was there and to meet people are just not going to a sex store to buy toys yeah. or what they do is they don't actually understand the value of a toy sure and so they might put it down to a monetary value as opposed to a pleasure value sure. and yeah, yeah. they go oh but i can't afford that one i'll go for this you know cheaper version sure yeah <laughs> but then i'm like well if this is going to be your toy if you take good care of it yeah <laughs> this can be your toy for like the next 10 years mm-hmm. so if you're only spending i don't know 80 dollars on a toy yeah well that's like $8 a year investment. Come on. Surely your pleasure is worth more than $8 yeah. a year, right? Do you not think you deserve more? Yeah, right? <laughs> Earlier, I was having a conversation with someone, and they said, you know, like, just wait the extra month and spend the extra money and get mm-hmm. the good quality one mm-hmm. that's going to last a little longer. And But learn how to take care of your toys. And that's yeah. the next thing is that some people don't know how to take care of toys. Yeah. And if you're too ashamed to ask the question of, like, what, A, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. Where does it go? Mm-hmm. And then... Be am I meant to wash it or yeah. like how do I take care of it? Is it, it? waterproof or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Am I going to get electrocuted if I use this in the bathtub? Well, that's a great question to ask. You need Make to sure ask that. you find one that is submersible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's I mean, you're totally right. I've visited my fair share of sex toy shops individually and with friends. I I love that, you know, sex toy shops are everywhere and there's so many different kinds and there's so many different toys for different parts and different this and different activities and beautiful. It's really yeah. a beautiful thing.
1: It, and if you are open-minded, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things. You could say, okay, for the first quarter of the year, mm-hmm. well, we're just going to play it safe, and we're going to just try these little toys or, sure. you know, this section of the store. And then for the next quarter of the year, maybe we dabble in the BDSM world, you yeah. know, in the next quarter of the, you know, year. you Like, you yeah, diversify if yeah. you need you evolve to. evolve if you need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your needs change, don't they too? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, your needs and also the way in which you pleasure yourself changes over the years so what Mm -hmm. you enjoyed when you were you know 16 is going to be vastly different to what you enjoy at 35 sure and I always compare it to your choice of clothing so (laughs) what you wore in high school is probably not what you're wearing at 40 (laughs) (laughs) right and if it is well I'm going to go out on a limb and say, maybe update your wardrobe. (laughs) And you would do the same thing with your sex toys. Mm -hmm. You know, the sex toy you used when you were 16 is not necessarily going to be the sex toy for you at 25 or 35 or 40. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. That's a great message. I don't hear a lot of people saying that, too, to upgrade or think about the different ways that you can enjoy sex toys at different parts in your life. Absolutely. That's interesting. Um, So we talked about when shame kind of starts. How do you see shame regarding sex, in particular, manifesting or showing itself in men
1: versus women? Uh, I think that's a great question. Um, Men and women look at sex a little bit differently, not vastly differently, Mm -hmm. but a little bit differently. Men are more open about sex with some of their guy friends, whereas women would be more open about sex with their female friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And it somehow doesn't seem to cross-pollinate much (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But women are more, uh, when they speak about it, it's a lot more towards pleasure. It's intimacy, it's touch, it's how it made me feel at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas men talk more about uh, the actual act of sex okay yeah. and so in that sense there's like it's vastly different conversations mm-hmm. you might be talking about the same thing but vastly different where it comes to a relationship, if you have two people who are coming from a point of shame uh, that they don't feel comfortable talking about sex, it's the concept is, to me, it blows my mind, you get into a bed together, mm-hmm. you're laying down, you're having sex with each other, but you're not, like, pausing during the act going, hold on, this is what I really enjoy. Or try this, or go a little quicker, or go a little softer, or, you know, what? you're not verbalizing it. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, you might feel a bit let down. Like, not that you'd go out of your way and be like, wow, that's." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you might not you know, vocalize it, but yeah. you know, sometimes people vocalize it, but you, like you're <laughs> usually keeping that stuff in your head, yeah. like, uh that wasn't as good as yeah. it could be, Or that been. wasn't
0: the right spot or something like exactly. that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, how's a person supposed to know? Are they supposed to be a mind reader? Yeah. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Unrealistic
0: so, expectations from the get-go, too. That can completely. be killer. So yeah. if
1: you have those expectations, they're bound to be disappointments unless you're opening your mouth and saying, hey, <laughs> yep. actually, I'd like this. Or try this. Or actually, this position's getting a little boring. Or actually, it's just starting to hurt a little bit. Let's get some lube so <laughs> we can continue <laughs> like this because I'm enjoying it. Yeah. But I just realize I need a little more lube. Yeah. Or whatever it might be. Yeah. But learning to open your mouth and say those things Mm -hmm. is what we're not being taught. Mm -hmm. And so if you're coming from a point of shame and not feeling that you can open up with your partner, which seriously, who should you be most open with? Maybe the person you're having sex with.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's actually something that there was a, a period I was young and single. I'm still young. I don't know why I. I know <laughs> I made myself ago. sound dumb. But yeah, all these two years ago or whatever, when I felt like there was a point where sex was more so like the performance of it like it wasn't even necessarily the actual enjoyment or the moment or the pleasure or anything like that it was more so how can doing this like give me like my boost of confidence as if I'm putting on a a show yeah a show I mean I love attention obviously (laughs) but um, there was like a real point where I actually had to stop with my other single friends and say guys I think we need to stop having sex for the sake of having sex and have sex because we want to and because these are people we enjoy because if I can't have a conversation with you that means I'm not going to vocalize any of the things I actually like to you, and um, this probably isn't going to be super enjoyable. It's going to be enjoyable well, as hold a thought. No,
1: I, I am going to go out on a limb here, and I am going to say there are those moments where you just go, I don't really care if we can have a conversation, because as long <laughs> as I can get my rocks off, sure. I'm good. Sure. Like, communicate that to the person. Like, just so you're aware, this is not going to be a long term thing. I yeah. really genuinely don't enjoy our conversations, (laughs) Um, but I'm really enjoying sex with you. So could we just keep this as like bed buddies? I'm like good on that. But you gotta be able to say it to someone. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh God, the conversation's horrible. The sex is great. What should I do? Yeah. Like that's a no brainer. Sure. Like just ask them not to talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's more so the in between as I'm trying to get them to leave. It's like, oh, you kind of suck as a person. That's just, maybe that's just me. Did your parents have the talk with you?
1: I love that question. Um, no, I, I grew up in a family that was crazy open around sex and sexuality. Oh. And so I think one of the best things my mom ever did, and I, I've definitely done it for my kids, but, you know, bonus, they're raised by a mother who's a sexologist. And um, my mom used to have all, like, the How a Baby's Born, all those books, mm-hmm. like, the traditionally old, yeah. awesome, very visual books. <laughs> um, and she'd have them on, like, the lower level of the bookshelf. So curious kids, as they are, like would just grab them and I'd thumb through them all the time and Mm -hmm. then put them back and then open them up, thumb through them like, oh, that's what it looks like. Oh, that's what like all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It really I was curious about it. Mm -hmm. And then my house was the house that we had like um, a Kind of barrel, I'm going to call it, of condoms available for any of my friends who came over. Like, my mom was super open about it with all of my friends. And she said, Here's some condoms. If you need some, grab them. If your parents aren't cool with you going out and buying condoms, like, I want to be able to supply that for you guys so that you're not getting an STD. You're not getting knocked up when you probably ideally shouldn't be. Or, you know, like, take the steps to be safe. And if you don't feel comfortable enough talking to your parents about it, know that it's here and it's available so i was genuinely raised in an environment that it was open slather, able to be talked about, which was awesome. Okay. I remember applying to do this master's of uh, forensic sexology in Australia, and I was telling my grandma about it. And I'm like, what do you think, Graham? And she's like, what, you think you guys invented sex? And I was like, okay, fair call, um, <laughs> you know, coming from a woman who had five kids herself. So you know, in that sense, it was very open. Yeah. So I feel really, really privileged around that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one day, and this is probably those moments that embarrass the hell out of my children. I was away at work or something and one of my girlfriends said oh before we pick the kids up from school do you want to have a coffee like have a ketchup and I'm like yeah that'd be great. So we go to this cafe and she goes god what I would give to be a fly on the wall today and I'm like Why? (laughs) She goes, "Oh, today is talk about what your parents do for a job day." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh my, because I was not the parent who was like overly involved of like reading the newsletter and like finding out what you know what's happening today, right? (laughs) And so he would have been in grade one. And I was like, oh my goodness. So after this coffee, I was like a little bit mortified because I'm like, oh my God, what's he gonna say to these kids? Yeah. All the parents knew what I did. Like sure. it was pretty open. I do a lot of media back in Australia. So to me, it was like no major ideal. But I was like, what is he gonna say to <laughs> these kids? And so I said, Oh, what'd you do today? What you know? And he said, Oh mom, I told them all about what you do. And I'm like, Really? How did you describe it? <laughs> and he's like, Well, I told the class that my mom teaches wives how to be better wives and husbands how to be better husbands and she's called a sexiologist and I was like I'm sold I'm sold I'm a sexiologist you need to put that in your
0: on your website something (laughs) like that that is the perfect explanation wow yeah see sometimes kids even when we think they're not smart they've got it figured out yeah he totally
1: had it figured out and here I am like sitting there a little mortified like oh my goodness what is he going to tell these like you know what are they six seven year old kids and he's like yeah you're a sexiologist I'm like okay (laughs)
2: Well, that's amazing.
0: That's great. I I mean, not that I couldn't imagine growing up in a home where sex is open because it wasn't necessarily a taboo thing, but it was complicated, I guess we'll say. Um, And talked about sometimes in a negative way, but to have resources and for it to not be, you know, a source of shame or, or to feel any, you know, humiliation around it and real efforts being made for it not to be that way would be, I think, just life changing for so many children out there. And that's amazing. And I still
1: have friends now, like other Windsorite friends who yeah. are still, are, I'm very actively involved and still communicate mm-hmm. with. And, and they're like, oh, my God, remember when your mom did this, like when we all went to prom? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I do. <laughs> Isn't that nice, though? It's nice to
0: have a great, cool mom that It everyone is everyone But
1: I think at the time, I think like everybody at the time, I was like, oh, my God, Mom. Yeah. Stop telling people that you have like the stash of condoms yeah. for everybody. Other you moms know? don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm like, you're the only one. um, But yeah, (laughs) as now as adults and I look back, I'm like, how cool was that? That, you know, and I can think about it like none of my friends really got I'm going to say a scary STD sure. while we were growing up. No one had kids yeah. very young, yeah. like as an oops. You know, things like that that I'm like, but that requires education. Yeah. So when people go, oh, I had an oops baby. I'm like, no, you didn't. You were having sex. Yeah. Like that is a result. This is a product. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. when you have sex, there's a few consequences. <laughs> Those consequences could be X, Y, or Z. Okay. You know, yeah. the pro <laughs> is it feels Great. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know of too many parents who are like, hey, guess what? You're going to enjoy sex. It's going to be amazing and it's going to feel great. It might feel awkward the first time, but the more you get comfortable with yourself and being able to speak about it, it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be mind-blowing. Every year it's going to get better. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, don't teach me this. Yeah. I don't want to know. I don't
0: need that information. Right. Yeah. So,
1: of course, if you find out it's going to get better and better, <laughs>
0: of course you want to know about it. Yeah. And that it's going to be a big part of your life and a big source of enjoyment. Feel if comfortable you're actively yeah. learning yeah. and
1: growing on it. It can't just be stagnant. It's like, oh, I had sex like that when I was, you know, 18 and I still have sex like that when I'm 50. Yeah.
0: Mm, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. 100%, 100%. I feel like, well, sorry, side question. You have children? I do. Um, how old are they?
1: 11 and 13.
0: Okay, so I'm guessing they're not having sex yet?
1: No, not no. yet.
0: Definitely. <laughs> I was going to ask if
1: they would tell you or if you knew if they were, but yeah. Um, no, <laughs> they're definitely not having sex yet. Okay. That I do know. We have an open enough conversation about that. Masturbations probably our, our biggest thing in the house yeah. at the moment, so that conversation um, is around, like, should you use lube when you're masturbating yeah. or could you just masturbate in the shower and yeah. stuff like that? And, you know, and I'll I'll make comments every now and then, which embarrasses the hell out of my <laughs> kids. And they're like, OK, mom, I didn't need to know that. I'm like, yes, but you did need to know that. I'm yep. like, if you're going to masturbate and it's like you're masturbating too much, you might actually go raw. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'd use some lube or yeah. at least, you know, use some soap in the shower mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. And they're like, oh, OK, mom. I got it. We're good. I'm like, okay. And, you know, when you're in the shower, make sure that you're actually feeling your testicles yes. just, just in case, mm-hmm. you know, and here's what you should feel for. Oh my God, mom. Okay. I got it. You. enough know? like so, about the testicles, mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my again. God, don't say that word, you know? <laughs> so every now and then it's, you know, it's a point of education, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that it's open enough to talk about. Yeah. And I love it when they go to school in school attempts to teach them something yeah and then they come home and they're like um Mom, so what's the deal about this i'm like well that's not fully correct let me correct it for you hmm. um so things like using appropriate words like everything you see on the woman on the outside is called a vulva mm-hmm. it's not the <laughs> vagina yeah the vagina is just the tube on the inside of your body the only way you can see a vagina is if you have one of those gynecology, you know, little the goose things, yeah, yeah, those things that open up, yeah, yeah, speculum, and speculum, that's, that's what it, is. yeah. And so if you put that in there and open it up and have a look, oh wait, you can't see your own vagina, yeah, unless you're then using a mirror, yeah. you know, like so people are like, oh, it's the vagina. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, if we're if we're comparing apples to apples, it's a penis. Everything you see on the outside. To a vulva, mm-hmm. everything you see on the outside. Yeah, but sometimes people are like, "Oh no, it's a penis and vagina." Nope. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just the word that's
0: been used for so long that why why wouldn't they? Actually, it was the Principles of Pleasure. I watched the first episode so far. Uh, <laughs> I love Netflix for this. But um, they talked about how the discovery of the clitoris being as like it's b- huge. big as it is yeah. it w- ju- was just found out like within the past few decades or something like yes. that. By, by, an Australian,
1: by an Australian yeah. who kind of said, hey, the clitoris is not just like this little tiny bulb that you see on the outside. Yeah. There's... All these internal structures yeah. and those internal structures are huge and massive. And when blood flows to them, because mm-hmm. that's essentially what happens, is that they swell up. And mm-hmm. so the lips get bigger and all this. And then people are like, oh, but my lips are so big because yeah. you're excited. Yeah. Like that's the good thing. Yeah. That's what you want. You want those lips to get big and <laughs> swollen because it means you're excited. Yeah. Yeah. And then you self-lubricate. And, you know, there's there's so much about sex that is, like, so fun yeah. and exciting. But then people kind of think, oh, well, if a guy can get it up super quickly, then it's like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Sure. Well, a guy's ability to get it up quickly is nowhere near a woman's ability to get it up quickly. Yeah. Like, it takes so much more for a female body to produce lubrication yeah. than it does for a guy's penis to engorge with blood. Yeah. And so, for a woman's body to engorge with blood so that it does self lubricate, can take anywhere from fifteen to forty-seven minutes. And yeah. so, At fifteen it's like, minutes, people are like,
0: "No, that's way too long. I'm already done by then. I
1: hate that." I and hate that's that. where that intimacy comes in, which is so important. So yeah. it's like, yeah, kiss me and touch me and yeah. play with me and do this and like get it involved. Not just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if a woman wants to sit there and potentially watch porn or self masturbate or you know self please mm-hmm. for let's say, a half an hour and then be like, okay, honey, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. They can get it up momentarily and away you go. You're ready to go. They're ready to go bonus. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. It's amazing. What was another question? What is one of the more common problems that you see with, um, like, intimacy?
1: The biggest issue around intimacy is communication, hands down. Yeah. Um, We're just not taught how to communicate to each other. Mm -hmm. That is, I think, the biggest thing. If you want more if you want great sex, mm-hmm. you have to have amazing intimacy. And if you want amazing intimacy, you have to have phenomenal communication. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're lacking. So when couples say like, "No, we actually have a great sex life," it's probably because they have great intimacy. And they have great intimacy because they have great communication. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you know what turns you on, if you're like, actually, I really like it when someone puts a small their hand on the small of my back. Mm-hmm. Like that right there, a win. It's a Bridgerton moment, right? You're <laughs> like, oh, yes. yeah. But you have to know that about yourself to then communicate it to your partner to yeah. say like, babe, I don't want you standing over there. I want you standing right next to you. You don't have to, you know, cook dinner with me or do any of the dishes or sure. do whatever I'm doing. Sure. I just want your hand on the small of my back. Sure.
0: So you mean communication, not just like communication about sex you just mean general a communication general
1: communication All right. because yeah. it's about everything it's a, we're so socially trained mm-hmm. to leave most of the communication in our head and then we get frustrated that everybody around us isn't a mind reader <laughs> and it's like yeah. well really like <laughs> yeah yeah where did you grow up thinking everybody was a mind reader yeah. like if you want somebody to know something you have to open up your mouth and say it yeah And if you're looking from a pleasure perspective, don't assume anybody knows what you want for pleasure. Yeah. And so it just becomes having a conversation. Yeah. And don't feel like, oh, I feel so weird around it and I don't want to say it because what if it's not what they want? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd hope it's not what they want. (laughs) Like, that would seem a little weird, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my.
0: I find the the women in my life at least we have a lot of conversations. I also was raised around all women essentially. My mom has sister, my grandma has only sisters. A lot of the men in our family die kind of young,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: you know, I'm not going to say this is a good thing, but I mean it's it's great that we have all of these opportunities to to talk without men
1: <laughs> around. Yes. That sounds really
0: cryptic, but but I feel as though I like that now with my family, as I said, with all the women and my friends, I feel as though I have been the one to initiate conversations with my friends about like what they like and, um, you know, what kind of porn do you watch and stuff. And that's not it's not a frequent conversation, but it's often enough to at least have the door open to make it normalized. Yeah, because
1: it's the whole thing. Everybody is enjoying, hopefully enjoying (laughs) sex, you know, like everybody is a sexual being. Mm -hmm. And so. Enjoying sex or going out of your way to find a way to enjoy pleasure and yourself is so important. So start the conversation yeah. and normalize it. Yeah. Like, oh, you watch porn? Yeah, but the porn I watch is not the sex I have. Sure, yeah, 100%. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, what do you mean? Well, just because I watch this type of porn yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that's the type of sex I want. Yeah. I get turned on by this, but I don't like my partner doing that to me. Sure, yeah. You know, but it becomes a conversation like, oh, I never thought of it like that. I mm-hmm. thought that whatever porn I watch means that's what I want in bed. Sure. Sure, for some people, mm-hmm. but not everyone. Yeah. And so, again, normalizing the conversation is really important.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Speaking of porn, do you have some kind of insight as to why so many women I know, at least, a lot of women really enjoy lesbian porn in particular?
1: See, there's a lot of research around this, which I think is brilliant. Um, And it's almost one of those things like it's for – a cisgendered person so someone who is very I'm going to say on the spectrum straight sure. um, and not bi not by curious not lesbian if they're really kind of on that straight spectrum it could be like the fantasy stuff it could be like oh what would it be like for mm-hmm. another woman to touch me without even being bi-curious sure yeah. and so in that sense a lot of porn is watched from a fantasy lens yeah. of I may not want that happening to me but Oh, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's cool to see what will
0: happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, and if it turns you on and you get become lubricated, like, cool. Go for it. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to translate to real world. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always kind of
0: thought that it was maybe because as females were most attracted to, especially in porn, seeing something that is maybe more like you're seeing somebody who might know your body not always but might know the kind of things you like inheritedly because you are of
1: the same right hold on that becomes going back to mind reading yeah just because it's another female doesn't mean they know how i want to be touched yeah so you got to open your mouth and ask yeah totally totally and so that's where porn's kind of cool in that you can look at it and you can go okay they there's some chemistry, or they've got the right script in front of them yeah. to realize what they're meant to say or do. Mm-hmm. um And I think again, it's it's scripted. It's it's a Hollywood thing. Yeah. Of here's where you're going to be. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how you're going to touch each other. Mm-hmm. But it's been scripted by someone. Yeah. And in the bedroom, it needs to be scripted by the two people, two or three or more people in the bedroom together. Yeah. Of here's what I want, and here's where I want it, and here's you know go on your back or lay on your side or (laughs) hey put your leg up on this thing i think that might be fun let's try it yeah and like, just relax. Like, have fun with it. Have a giggle. Like, if you've tried something <laughs> and you're like, oh, my hammy. Yeah. You know?
0: like, like, that's just not right. Yeah, There's yeah.
1: something about that. I tried this. I thought this would look cool, but it turns yeah. out, like, really not. <laughs> <laughs> you learn. You only learn by doing,
0: right? Somebody yeah. can tell you. Uh, and, I mean, the lesbian porn thing is just, yeah, an example of uh, something that I've talked with my friends about. Actually, we were we were a little tipsy talking about this. My newly single friend, when we were going out, she was like, I like lesbian be in porn too and she was like I thought it was just me and I was like you would be shocked how many yeah, people you,
1: it's not normalized yeah. to have the conversation but about that's what, why what we're kind doing of this. porn you like <laughs> yeah
0: right? yeah absolutely I love that I love that You know this, and and there's been
1: real studies among this. The amount of sex research studies Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And Mm so people are learning things all the time. Like, yes, hold hold on. Like, the anatomy of Mm -hmm. a clitoris should not have taken this long to figure out. Preach, yep. Like, (laughs) the anatomy of a penis has been known for hundreds of years, Um, which is a bit ridiculous. But if you think about who... Who was traditionally doctors, who mm-hmm. traditionally wrote medical textbooks, mm-hmm. was men. It wasn't women yeah. who said, Oh, actually, pay attention to our anatomy. We have just as much as you. Yeah. Um, we have just as many nerve endings in sure. our tiny, tiny little clitoris yeah. tip. And head, you think it's all, but yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, as your penis. And you got a whole bunch of, you know, property on that penis. That's a whole big landscape available to you. Our clitoris is this tiny little tip of the iceberg that you can see. And we have just as many nerve endings. Like surely someone would have said, hey, let's dissect it and see what's really involved. Yeah. But no, 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 only recent (laughs) and medical textbooks are absolutely not drawn appropriate to clitoral anatomy. And Mm. so there's some really great people in the world doing some wonderful work around this, bringing this to attention, which I think is important. Yeah, it's it's so funny that these people. not funny. It's unfortunate, but
0: these people have to dedicate themselves to a cause of making yeah. people realize something that's in every female's body you yeah. know it's it's shocking um you mentioned spectrum and has your understanding of sexuality or your work or your education had to kind of shift with i feel like the growing landscape of understanding gender fluidity or, or no. all this kind of stuff. No, no. I feel like that I kind of Yeah. I think a
1: sexologist, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> the rest of the world's like, what, There's bi curious? When did that happen? Yeah, or, you know, like, yeah. or as the LGBTIQA plus lettering gets longer, people are like, that's a thing as well. Yeah. And it's like, well, it, in the world of sexology, it always has been. We yeah. know about it. We understand that there's gender fluidity. Yeah. Um, uh, what happens is in common practice so like every day uh out there in the big wide world with people right they don't they might not even know the difference between transgender and transvestite sure and so a lot of times people go oh but it's all trans it's all the same thing and I'm like oh yeah and so you know that education I think that's where I feel really privileged from a sexology perspective Mm -hmm. is it's actually covered the whole concept you know how I'm gonna say in the last few years there's that Um, the pronouns Mm -hmm. of, you know, my name's Amanda, Mm she slash her on the end of a pronoun, right? And you see it in a lot of people's uh, signatures and stuff like that, which I think is fabulous.
0: Instagram bios, LinkedIn just implemented it. Everywhere.
1: Even on Zoom. I know I've been on a lot of Zoom calls recently that will say somebody's name and then it'll have pronouns. Mm He slash him or they slash their, you know, that kind of thing. In sexology, that's always been a thing. We don't kind of say his versus hers. Yeah. Um, it's theirs. Yeah. Okay. If I'm talking about, like, I write a relationship column. And in the relationship column, it might come in as a question that is like, my girlfriend said blah, blah, blah. But if if people genuinely read my responses, to me, it doesn't matter if it's your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your whoever. It's your partner. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, there's that fluidity around it that you shouldn't feel ashamed that it's one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's very is, – sexology is an extremely inclusive area of learning and academia, yeah. which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, because then no one feels excluded. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the real world. Yeah, yeah, Where most people feel excluded because they feel they don't fit the norm. Sure. That society says they have to fit. Not at all the same in sexology, which is – kind of beautiful,
0: beautiful. It's, it is beautiful it's <laughs> it's something that i i truly i i again grew up with kind of a complicated relationship with sexuality and sex and stuff and and not necessarily having a resource it, it's interesting now because my mom and i talk about sex so openly now mm-hmm. but growing up i don't want to say she was the one who like implemented any of this stuff but of course your parents have have a a say and i would never be comfortable talking about my sex life like I don't know, 10 years ago. Well, I would have only been 14. But anything like that with my mom compared to now and, and with as many people as I can, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be shocking to some people, especially if it's not somebody that I know super well. And I don't just say, hi, I'm Tori, and I've had sex with this many people. Or like, <laughs> here's my roster or my lineup or my, something like that. I don't present that way. But I do like to – I always ask people, like, did your parents have the talk with you or, or something? Or how did you learn? What was your first introduction to sex? I actually asked a couple people on the podcast this um, – and again, shame just being something that – it. once you start talking about it or you start hearing people talk about it, it stops breeding, right? It breeds in yeah. the dark. It breeds in silence. So let's talk about porn. Let's talk about – all this kind of stuff and it just feels so good and
1: I come from such a space of questions and clarity Mm -hmm. over silence and confusion Mm -hmm. like you said you know that silence or that darkness just kind of breeds misunderstanding and and myths around stuff that really doesn't require myths so if you have the ability to be open and honest with yourself and others and ask questions to get some clarity win all around yeah I agree. That's beautiful. That's perfect
0: way of saying it. I was going to ask you, it's great that you just mentioned myths. I'm sure there are thousands, hundreds of thousands sexual myths (laughs) that you have dedicated your life to clearing up and talking about and such. But are there maybe some key ones that I mean, apart from communication being the most important thing and the clitoris being much larger than people seem to think it is? (laughs) Is there other sexual taboos or something that you? Oh, my God, there are so many. I bet.
1: Um, (laughs) God, what's one of my favorites? <laughs> your um, favorites to debunk. <laughs> um, I actually have a, a giveaway on my website of mm. like the five myths and how, what's the truth around each one of yeah. them. So to me, I would say probably my biggest one is that relationship should be easy. There's this huge myth that people are like, relationship, once you find your person, like, oh my God. And I'm like, no. No, relationships are not easy. When you look at a relationship that is like, you're like, wow, they've really got it together. Mm -hmm. Chances are they've put a lot of work into it. They've gone and seen a relationship educator Mm -hmm. or they actively go out and get relationship therapy or they're actively working on the relationship. They're going on dates. They're focused and prioritizing each other above everything else, like above their kids, above their work, above Mm -hmm. their friends. They're really putting the effort in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably one of the most rewarding things. The more effort you put into a relationship, the more you're going to get out of it. But the myth is – I found my person and relationships are easy, so I should be able to just sit back and enjoy. And that's it, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 don't sit back and enjoy because Mm -hmm. then your partner is going to find somebody else to have a relationship with. Yeah,
0: somebody who's putting in the effort or something like that, which I know is – I it's a, like a weird threat that I feel like I hear a lot of the times. Like, you don't treat her well, somebody else will. Absolutely. And yeah, it's it's people well, see it as a threat, to that. but it's true. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I think that that's a great great way of putting it. Something else, um, and I know this is uh, something else that you specialize in, but grief and um, you, you yeah. do grief counseling. Grief is very grief and loss is very interesting to me as well. Seriously, you're like my dream guest. <laughs> you I don't even the, know. <laughs> I'm the
1: executive director of the Grief Recovery Institute of Australasia, so okay. I actually train people in all of Australasia on grief and loss.
0: Oh, my, Leontal. That is... A big, I don't want to say burden, but that's a heavy weight to carry loss. But I mean, grief beautiful. is another, you're right. Grief is another word to me that's almost like shame. Like it's something that I'm afraid of. The moments that I felt real grief in my life or g- real shame in my life are the, one of the key factors of like, I don't ever want to do this again. I never want to feel like this again. But it's going to happen. It's part of life. Yeah, and um, just like sex. Exactly. I know. Why? Yeah. yeah. Sex <laughs> is that something you can just avoid? But um, so grief and intimacy i guess where's the correlation i guess connection between the two yeah
1: um usually a lot around sex and intimacy if you're not communicating then you're not being honest you're not being truthful to yourself or Mm -hmm. your partner and so you have these high expectations that are not being met and when your high expectations are not being met that's called grief There is a loss. There's a sense of self and loss of self. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime someone goes through a life transition, so if you go from being, you know, a teenager to a young adult or then a young adult to now a parent of children. Sure. Every life transition is a loss. How you learn to manage that loss is really important. Mm -hmm. And again, because it's not something we talk about, then we feel like this like, I should have, I should hold that burden myself. Mm-hmm. And so the body you had when you were 16 prior to kids is not going to be the body you have at 30 plus after yeah. kids. Yeah. And so there is some grief and loss around that, like mourning my body that I had when I was like 16 and thought, oh my God, this is a great body to have. Yeah, it's not going to be the same body yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, it's huge. not something people talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's grief around whether or not your anatomy is functioning the way that you would hope it would function because Mm -hmm. it's not all like rainbows and unicorns there's going to be times in your life that your anatomy doesn't function the same or or you might end up with um let's say cancer or like oftentimes way too often people go into the hospital for um surgical procedures but they don't talk about the sex loss around it or you know someone's doing something for their mental health which is great it's another area I educate people a lot in and they talk about their mental health Mm -hmm. you know yes absolutely get on top of your mental health and if it requires you taking medication Mm -hmm. and getting CBT like cognitive behavioral therapy go and do it Mm -hmm. but also recognize that some of that medication that you're on might decrease your intimacy, might decrease your ability to produce lubrication, might Mm -hmm. decrease your libido. Mm -hmm. But again, those aren't things that are talked about. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden, like if you had a great sex life, high libido, everything's great, but then you're struggling with loss or your mental health, and then you get put on some medication, the doctor doesn't tell you about the impact that this medication is going to have on your sex life, because it's not a common thing to talk about. Yeah. Even though it is a genuine side effect, it's like they don't go out of their way to say, hey, by the way, this yeah. is dramatically going to impact your sex life. Yeah. And then people's sex life gets impacted and they turn it back on themselves, which then forms shame of like this is all my fault this is all because of me yeah might increase their level of depression like it's just yeah. it's a vicious vicious circle yeah but if we just opened our mouth and spoke about it and normalized it then people go oh my god that makes so much sense it's not just me i didn't magically lose my libido yeah my libido decreased the moment i started taking this medication but yeah. that's okay because it's in the short term so until I get my mental health in check, then in the short term, here's what I, here's the tricks I need to learn to do in the meantime. Mm-hmm. But that also requires reaching out to a sex therapist and saying, now that I'm on this, how can I counterbalance this? What is the tricks or the skills or the strategies you can teach me to make this better? But that would require reaching <laughs> out to a sex therapist and yeah. saying, you know, no shame in this. I have a question. How yeah. can I best solve this problem?
2: Hmm.
0: That's beautiful. You're totally right about the the antidepressants or certain medications decreasing libido being a big problem that ends up circling back to people then feeling shame about themselves or having issues then with their self-image because they can't do what they used to do. And uh, I'm just genuinely curious, Does is there like a time period when it kind of bounces back? Or is it just kind of subjective or whoever? Well, it
1: kind of depends if like if it's a medication thing, mm-hmm. it's once the medication ends. So mm-hmm. the medication is really there to kind of take the edge off so that you can learn skills and strategies. Hmm. So once you work with your medical practitioner to actually come off the medication, because you have the right skills and strategies, then if you think about it, ideally, most medications, and again, this is, one of those things it depends on the person and mm-hmm. depends on your own body but most medications you can say are clear out of your system within three months okay. so after three months and this goes to like um sexual reproductive medication as well so yeah, yeah. you got to be aware that it's going to take some time to get out of your system so if in three months time it's finally out of your system that's when you should anticipate getting some of that feeling back to normal or, you know, being able to lubricate again or your libido increasing and stuff like that. But be very cautious because there's a lot of things out there, both pharmaceutical and (laughs) non-pharmaceutical, that will impact on your sex life. And so I say, you know, do your due diligence and understand the impact that it might have on you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think um, with antidepressants, people who I've talked to have definitely felt as though they were given the pill and it wasn't, as you said, to take the edge off or to start to develop, you know, better processes for dealing with your emotions or it certainly hasn't felt like that for me. And I was on antidepressants for a short period of time and I stopped taking them, not because I had any conversation with my doctor, certainly didn't develop any new practices per se, but it did take the edge off. But uh, yeah, I I stopped seeing the doctor, so it's okay. (laughs) Um, But no, that's interesting. I really didn't know that that was the, I guess, objective of antidepressants. Mm. I thought it was just to throw some kind of chemical imbalance into another direction. But
1: if you think of it, if you're just masking it with medication and not learning any new skills, if you take the medication away, you're just unmasking. So everything that was there before is still there. (laughs) And now you still don't have any strategies. So I think that's, it's just a a slight, slight mindset shift. But in mental health, that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a slight shift that you go, okay, I'm just going to take this medication with the help of my health professionals. Take the edge off. While I'm taking the edge off, I now have enough clarity and focus to learn skills and strategies yeah. to implement into my life because yeah. life's gonna throw you some curveballs mm-hmm. and when they come your way you need something to be able to counterbalance those curveballs yeah yeah, that's, I just learned something. Look at that. <laughs> well, I
2: learned lots, but I really
0: didn't know that about antidepressants. I've never heard it uh, used as like not just the solution and not just as a, a supporter, I guess, towards a solution or, or better practice, I guess. But that's, that's really fascinating. I am pretty much out of questions for you. Of course, I have a thousand and one personal questions, but... <laughs> You know, I was contacting your website about this. So your upcoming show here in Windsor, I am so excited about. It's called "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." It's and a women's it. only event, and I'm so excited about that. I don't like
1: spaces with men, and I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Not groups well, of no, men for any for any woman who's coming who happens to have a male partner, mm-hmm. there will be plenty of takeaways for mm-hmm. either sex. It doesn't matter if you have a male or female partner. There will be plenty of takeaways that you can go home and implement.
0: It's beautiful. That's so exciting. And uh, so yes, yeah, this weekend at Walkerville Theater. So that's Saturday, April 23rd. I hope people hear this the day it comes out so they have time to get tickets and make plans and it's going to be fun. Grab a friend to come with you. So we know what people can expect. A whole lot of fun. And And some freebies. And some freebies. I heard about this. I know, right? Yes. That's going to be the best part. I'm so
1: excited. Can we mention the Stag Shop? Let me just tell you how phenomenal they have been. So open and welcoming Mm -hmm. to um, supporting us through this endeavor of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Let's Talk About Sex. Their staff is so well trained trained and educated in the area that they really do make it a very open environment to come in and ask questions. Just go like, hey, I've got some money to spend. You know, enjoy it. Hey, tax return season. You, We're right, right in tax. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> right is this a tax write off? For me. <laughs> so tricky. here's the fun thing, right? For me, Tori, it's a tax write off. Oh, my goodness. It's
2: <laughs> amazing.
1: You're my dream job. You're my dream life. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: amazing. I love that. And um, how else can people find you?
1: Uh, my website. So www.amandalambrose.com. Plenty of information on there. Heaps of freebies and downloadables as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I always think is important is having a yes, no, maybe checklist. Hmm. Um, so that you can actually jump onto my website and grab and on that you kind of you share it with a partner and say yes I can do those things and I'd be willing to no those are not on my sexual repertoire with you and maybe I'd be open to trying these so sure. a yes no maybe checklist is always useful I love that that's awesome so you have social media too yes, yes. I am on all of them yeah um my favorites probably Instagram I do a lot yeah. of shout outs and lives and stuff like that that I think are really worthwhile so if I get questions asked uh, I write a column perthnow.com.au and so it's a relationship that calls that comes out every week, I load that up onto my blog as well so that people have access to it globally. Mm -hmm. And just to me, it's like if there's something that comes up that I think people need to know about, I'll jump on Instagram and I'll live it out so that people can see it. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. You're an awesome resource. And thank you so much for taking the time. I I'm so excited for people to hear this. My boyfriend's family listens to every episode, and I'm sure it's a lot of women. know awesome. <laughs> yeah, They're going to love it. I know they're going to love it. It's going to be great. And seriously, thank you so much for taking the time. This was Thanks, Tori. An this has been great. delight. Yes. Thank you for sticking around to the end if you did. And ugh, wasn't that just amazing? Isn't she amazing? Ugh. I'm just so happy, and I'm so happy for the opportunity to have more, lots more awesome guests in the future, just like the one I have planned for next week, so please stay tuned. Uh, two weeks from today will be May 5th for episode 8.
2: I, I always needed this love. Ooh, you hold me down. Uh, yeah, you hold me down. Too hard now Baby, we've got our nine You have a special gift And you give it so much See, everything turns to gold now, honey When you give it a touch I've even seen flowers Where I have a picture It's a favorite one of you Yeah.